Hello, um, this is my first podcast ever. This is my first episode of Dharma Girl podcast. Um, welcome, thanks for listening. Uh, you would listen to the trailer if you was a good person, but <laughs> not kidding. But basically this podcast will be looking at um, film, music, fashion, books, literature, all of that. Like anything cultural, creative and artistic coming out of a country experiencing conflict, um, extreme poverty, political violence and devastation. Um, And today's episode is looking at Iraq. So I'm basically wrapping up the Iraq series that I did on my Instagram blog, dam.girl. That's at D-A-H-M dot girl um, on Instagram. Um where I kind of like looked at the history, the brief history of um, ancient Iraq, uh, like Mesopotamia, like just giving a general kind of overlook of um, the cultures always been coming out of there and then kind of progressing onto the 20th century and how um, conflicts throughout history and wars throughout history had shaped art and artists out of Iraq. So... Yep, if you're interested, check that out. Gives a bit more context to what I'm doing here. I'm out of breath, probably because I'm nervous. <laughs> but basically, this episode is going to discuss a film I've just watched. Um, and I'll see how this goes in the future. But um, maybe it's not great to like, jump straight into the podcast. Maybe I should digest the film a bit longer. But I want to just talk about this whilst it's on my brain and I want someone to talk about it with, which is myself at the moment, but <laughs> um, I want to just like spew it out because it's actually a really intense experience, this film. So the film is Dreams, also known as, I'm going to say this and I hope I'm not butchering anybody's name out there, Ehlem, which is the name of the is a name of one of the characters in the film um and and this is a film directed by Mohammed al-Diraji and he is an Iraqi Dutch filmmaker um and the film Dreams is um basically according to Nubi's synopsis um a story of the desperate lives of shell-shocked soldier Ali medical student Mehdi and bride al Lem, whose fiance was kidnapped by Saddam Hussein's forces on the wedding day, converge in a psychiatric hospital. So just to run that down, basically, we have three characters whose lives basically um, become tied together through um, the onset of um, war, basically, in Iraq. So... We kind of get to see where they were before the point that everything kind of just reaches a peak where it comes to violence and and chaos. Um, and we then get to see how their stories collide. So I've just finished watching that. And if you want to know a bit more about the director, um, Daraji is an Iraqi Dutch filmmaker who studies cinematography and directing in England and theatre in Iraq. He's quite well established, actually, through his films uh, Son of Babel, The Journey, and, of course, this film Dreams. 
He focuses on retelling the political affairs of the Middle East through interpersonal relationships and intimate experiences of war. So that's something I kind of um, found appealed to me that he kind of makes his work focus on more personal stories. And actually, that's something that I wanted to speak on at some point in this podcast um, that I appreciate about really why I'm doing this whole podcast in any case is um, personalising and humanising war and conflict, um, devastation, extreme poverty, things like this in parts of the world where the people are kind of just seen as like far away and um, just like really dehumanised in a ton of different ways um, by the media over where I consume it in Britain and maybe where you're sitting, maybe you're in Europe and you're in the um, USA, wherever, where you are, um, I know that the media does not make a ton of effort where I am to humanise people's stories who are experiencing conflict, who are experiencing, um, you know, fleeing and who are refugees and um, survivors of war and um so I, I like the fact that he kind of, yeah, focuses on interpersonal relationships um, that are born through or survive the tests of um, war and conflict. So moving on to my initial thoughts <laughs> of the film. Um, all right, so my initial uh, thoughts of the film um like just in terms of aesthetics and the scenes that stuck out to me and imagery um I really liked at the beginning um it kind of gives a peer into like the warmth of like community I guess in like um the smaller like you know communities and like neighborhoods because um for example, a scene that stood out to me that I just really enjoyed, like a really small little moment, was um, these school children, like just singing, um, like a school rhyme, and um, Ali's leaving his house and he joins in these girls who are like skipping a skipping rope, um, and he jumps in for like a couple beats and then he carries on his day to work. I really like that. It was really like sweet and and just seeing. Um, how people's life was, you know, before they met disaster, as well as um, Ahlam, like when she went to school and she had things going on and um, Mehdi studying and um, all these things, like I liked and just appreciated like the normalness of everyone's lives and just like their everyday, um, just to like, introduce us to our characters and the setting and the way that everybody spoke to each other was so like everyone's familiar with each other like just the the casualness like everyone just seemed so open you know um I don't know I just liked seeing that like really communal spirit and um I really appreciated the way it was like yeah translated on screen that this is a very like communal um culture and yeah just there's like a concern for everybody um <clears throat> and um 
yeah exactly like just thinking now that one of the first like scenes of Ehlem's life is that like they're hosting um their friends or like people from the neighborhood for a festival and she's late home from like school and her mom's like yo you should be here like earlier <laughs> like where, where were you come join us we have to like prepare some people going to be here so um just like having like that concern for others and that was something i just saw throughout the film was really like refreshing and like reminded me of <laughs> my boyfriend <laughs> because i don't know i think that's a really like um distinctive like trait of Iraqis as far as I know them um that they're very like let's sit down like let's share these things you know what I mean so everybody having like time for each other and like want to share their things with each other and like um just being very um yeah like communal and giving was really nice to see and I kind of feel like it set me up <laughs> because I was like oh like this is gonna be a bit more like time spent on their <laughs> on their normal lives <laughs> and then and then, yeah, and then this all kind of, like, took another turn, which I knew was going to happen, but I was really enjoying, like, getting to know the characters a bit. Um, and, yeah, that does bring me to my character analysis. There were other scenes that stuck out to me um, in the beginning parts of the film, but they'll probably come to me as I keep speaking. So we'll just get into the character analysis um, because... Um, I don't know. There's a lot to be said for the characters and I'm not going to start with the character that I want to speak about the most because I would just not stop talking. So I'm going to try and be structured. I have my transcript notes here. I don't really, I'm not going to stick to them, but yeah. So Ehlem, I, I wouldn't say is our protagonist because just because the film's named after her, <coughs> named after, I would, I would say that all the characters apart from Mehdi kind of share the share the the narrative but um she does play a big role in how we like view the aspects of chaos that is born out of war. Uh so just to give a bit of context, um when Ehlem arrives in the uh psychiatric ward, she's suffering from hallucinations. So she's seeing um, her beloved um, in in the walls, in the windows. Like she's seeing him, and she believes he's there. You know, so she's calling his name, and she's convinced in moments that he's there, and in other moments when she feels like he's gone or he's left, she's super utterly distressed. And I actually want to talk about a scene where um, it's kind of given to us in the beginning like it's the first couple frames of the film and then we see their lives beforehand I think three or four years before and then it comes back to the scene in present moment um in the context of the film's timeline and she's sitting in the cell I guess is the best way I can call it in this like trash room and it's like there's no light and, and the only light is probably from outside maybe it's the moon or something because there's also electricity um, outage. Um, and her eyes glisten. When I say her eyes like catch this light in the most like 
tragic and also beautiful way like cinematography wise like cinematically it just it just is beautiful but of course it her eyes are glassy now like her eyes are permanently in tears you know what I mean so like it's beautiful and also heart-wrenching because like I don't know how the director caught that I don't know how he made that happen but I guess that's just the natural chemistry of when you make a film you know things just fall into place because it really did like like make my heart like burst for a second um the way she was silent and just sitting with her back to the wall and you can't see much of her but you can see her like her eye catches the light at one at one point it's like dazzling and then it's like like the sadness is like right in 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 that second of light catching her eye and um my point is lost (laughs) but I think what I was gonna say is that she's really abandoned and she's really she's the least cognizant of her surroundings and, and all the characters um that we see so she's dealing with hallucinations and um I think it's because of her lack of awareness and her lack of like self-preservation um and her lack of ability to protect herself as most people in a conflict like this like this intense would be but she has like literally no protection because she doesn't even know what's going on like she's she's thoughtless because she's so consumed by grief um she's just wandering about she is like defenseless i think that's best a better word than she's not able to protect herself is that she's defenseless because yeah she's just distraught her own personal loss is so wildly like confusing and bewildering that she can't even deal with the loss of her country do you know what i mean so um I feel like she is the perfect metaphor in this film for the kind of senselessness um, and chaos um, that war begets. And actually in the final, I don't want to jump around too much because I want to be coherent, (laughs) but the last few scenes of the film, um, without trying to jeopardise the plot for you guys who haven't seen it um but basically we see american soldiers and they are just what i'm gonna say is whatless i don't know if you're familiar with that term or that word but it basically means oh my gosh my mic was not it was not (laughs) my microphone was not to my mouth so i don't know how much you heard of this and it probably sounds different to the first part but it's my first podcast so give me some Spread okay, <laughs> but basically, the American soldiers are present and they are just causing more damage, they are not there to take hold of the situation, they are just as chaotic as the environment. And um, it's through kind of her, um, she's in a state of danger, and um, I just don't want to say too much that's going to ruin the film, um, ending, but she's just in a situation where like you know people are desperate to like save her and get through to her and you know she is just she's already gone like she's just 
past it she's beyond it and the chaos surrounding her is like she's oblivious to you almost at this point but the way that the soldiers even just amplify that chaos they do not make sense of their situation and seem to have a plan they're just aggressing other people like the victims of the conflict and it made me frustrated to watch because I was just like I'm sure this is actually how in I mean I know this is fiction as well but I'm sure this is how like a lot of conflict and war goes that especially in this conflict from what I read and what I know about it nobody knew what the f they were doing there and it was just like they the soldiers and the military and people who are just like armed like randomly armed civilians um and then militia groups that eventually sprouted and quite became larger like they just they um they just i guess take form of the live chaos around them and they don't know how to synthesize like basically what their aims are well especially when it came when it comes to the american soldiers um and i feel like that kind of sense of that sense of like frustration um comes across like from the director's perspective that they really like the american soldiers have zero like grip on the situation um, at least in that scene um and i think that was a deliberate choice i think anyway um so yeah apart from chaos i feel like ehlem also reminds me of another theme um one that i followed um through uh, a module at university i took in in my first year where i was looking at um well the module was called from some of my head I'm paraphrasing um the arab world in and outside of the headlines which basically looked at the 2011 arab spring um as it's called and I did a I did a number of different assignments but one of my assignments was looking at the ways in which women experienced the 2011 anti-government uprisings across Syria and generally what happens to women and girls during war and conflict and i just feel like as many war films there are there just is not enough discourse a representation of that experience of a gendered experience of war and um i'm sure there's a lot of reasons why um i'm sure there's um a lot of reasons why but through my my course those years ago like I don't remember off the top of my head like details and details but I will definitely be looking through my my discourse that I wrote and the research that I did because it was so effing fascinating um and fucking heartbreaking and I remember just being quite depressed for that whole um module and I mean that genuinely like quite fucking crushed but really enraged and really motivated but also kind of feeling helpless um because of all the different topics we're looking at but particularly when we're looking at the effects that war has on women ehlem's narrative her story and her unraveling 
I just looked at it and I thought, I imagine this is so much more common than any of us realise. Some of the things that happened to her in the film, I'm like, so that's kind of how women become vulnerable, more vulnerable than they already are um, in a in a misogynistic society as the world is. Um, <laughs> I was like, God... You know, wow, like, and I, I knew kind of the, due to the context of her situation, the kind of threat she was exposed to, and it was making me nervous. I was like, I just want this to, like, end, like, I can't sit through it. I know it's going to happen at some point, and I'm, like, worried for her safety, and, like, she's running through these streets, and she doesn't know where she is, and she's defenseless, and she's wearing a wedding dress, which also I think is an area for symbolic discussion but I really I feel like I kind of be doing a cliche thing there like we can all kind of like suggest many different temptations of that because it's pretty like I don't know probably one of the biggest I don't know easiest things to talk about that she's wearing a wedding dress throughout the whole film um I'm not saying I'm too different to do that I'm just saying like it just wasn't the biggest thing um that crossed my mind it was the fact that even thinking about it now when it comes to her level of vulnerability, um, I think it's, again, a deliberate choice from the director that when Ahlem is in, in in the shot, like, whenever she's on cam, like, a lot of her scenes, um, there's gunfire, more so than the other characters. And I think that ties in both those aspects of the gendered-related threats, um that women experience in war and conflict as well as um, her being a symbol or a metaphor for the chaos, the pure recklessness, the pure, like, just senselessness, like, uh, confusion and panic that ensues when, um, when a war breaks out. Um, yeah. Another thing I thought about whilst watching the film, like, really... Because in some moments, I was, like... I really went on a ride, like, I was, like... Wow, like... I don't know, at some point, I was, like, Oh, I love these characters, like... I'm rooting for this person to, like, make it through, or, like... Dang, like, do you know what I mean? Just kind of getting to know them. And then I went through moments where I was, like... I don't want what's going to happen to them to happen to them. And then I went through moments where I was, like... I'm actually flipping, fuming that this happens to anyone and like I know this is a film but it's based on real life um it's based on real people's stories and this is based on a real life conflict and I was just like I'm fucking fuming like I just want to reach into the camera or like the 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 screen and make it all stop it's a position against people's right to experience everyday life safely and like normally and it made me mad I was like these people have literally like I mean, just thrown the wind out of the window people's ability to experience a wedding, to experience graduating and going on to do a master's, as Mehdi hoped to do. And when I speak of the wedding, I'm talking about Ehlem's um, wedding being, you know, sabotaged and completely just snatched from her and now I was just like this is what happens this is actually like how it's experienced by people on an everyday kind of way in an everyday context um and I think 
that's why I really appreciated um, the way in which um, Aldaraji is storytelling because it reminded me that um, whatever a reason, whatever the reasons um, for going to war, um, some of course are like explicitly just like why, like what's even the aim dude like what's the aim um when countries go to war with each other they are putting um people's right to experience life safely and joyfully and fucking normally in threat or under threat in jeopardy and um that disregard and that like fucking like it just makes me mad it just makes me fucking angry <laughs> so yeah that's something I I thought all the characters kind of symbolized um through their lives being completely shattered um because of this war so I don't have much to say about Mehdi. I will definitely mention him because he's a king. Um, God bless him. Like, that's really my whole take on Mehdi. It was like, God bless you. You've been through too much. Um, I just didn't feel like his character was developed upon enough for me to really give a more nuanced or like, it was the word, interpretive, like, uh, take on him. Like, I think he was... Um, a good character and everything and he had his place in the film um but he wasn't like he didn't have a strong a strong story that i thought there was a really huge potential to give him like a more strong story because we like find a little bit about his backstory with his regarding his father and his father's um role in the conflicts leading up to the iraq war and i was like dang like woo. I wish we kind of discussed this a little bit more. Like, I don't know. I was kind of like, dang, I would like to hear um, a bit more about this. But I guess it didn't have its, it wasn't you, like, it wasn't relevant to the story too much to explain upon it, I guess. So, um, yeah, he's a fucking cool character in terms of like, I loved that he was like a friend and um, protector to the people he was like serving in the um in the ward because like there were obviously other doctors but we got to see that they weren't all very much concerned with the well-being of the patients and I just loved that he was like a defender of like their safety and he gave so much of a fuck about them that was great but yeah I don't have much else to say about him um but I I now like I was so excited to talk about his character and now I'm here to talk about him I actually feel sad um I don't want to go into it like it's actually too sad um because he was my favorite character I think he was the most oh he came with it as an actor he was the most he was like the strongest char- um character as well as the strongest actor in my opinion um he was bringing it he was bringing it and um I have to shout him out his name the actor I would definitely give everybody's names at the very end um but his name, the actor, is Bashir Al-Majid. I think I'm saying that correctly. I hope so. I'm sorry if I haven't. Um, 
but yeah he stole the effing show dude i'm saying effing but i'm also cursing so what's the point but anyways he was incredible as an actor he was a really well-written character and his story broke my heart yeah period so like if i'm if i'm talking absolute fluff at this point and it's going in cycles babes i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry but i feel a lot of things okay <laughs> i feel a lot of things about this character and to kind of stay on track and not just go about how cool like i don't know how great his character was um i'm going to try and stick to my interpretation of what his character symbolized to me so basically to give some context um without trying to ruin the film <laughs> ali ali is our soldier and he is like super positive like for the sake of his friend hassan and hassan is like so over it like he he doesn't even know why he's fighting at this point sorry not fighting like i'm not quite sure how what his service is but his he's so sick of being in the military and he doesn't believe in the in the in the reasons you know like he doesn't believe in the regime even you know like he doesn't um honor um saddam hussein he's really like yeah i think i said his name right let me say that i'm gonna check that again because yeah um he honestly yeah i said that right sorry i just wanted to double check but um he's honestly um been effed around as well i think there's like some um something alluded to like he's been put on some dodgy medication a few years ago and he's having an issue with his hair um i think he's getting like spotting um discoloration in his hair and he's just not well you know um but he's he's thinking of just getting out of there and um for the sake of his friend ali is always encouraging hassan like there is not going to be a war and you're you're going to be fine we're going to end our service and we are fighting for the right reasons we're fighting for our country um and it's really ali who holds together the the idea that resilience is is a multifaceted thing and i feel like my interpretation of ali's character is that servitude is a form of resilience and i say that because throughout the film if you watch it you will see that ali when he gets to the ward is absolutely heartbroken about his loss um um and he um he it's like he almost makes a promise to himself to make up for what he feels he's responsible for in losing and i felt that his character was looking for redemption um and that his redemption was through becoming useful to mr dr medi um when uh when the ward is hit by the chaos um medi asks for ali's help and ali man he snaps awake you know he was literally like in a situation when he got to the ward where he was so consumed by his hurt and his loss that he 
was repeating things to himself. He was out of his head. Like, he was trying to self-soothe, but, excuse me, he was, he was distraught. He was rocking. He was shouting things to himself, and he was punishing himself. And then he gets to this point in the film where, like, he is responsible for others' safety. And it's like, where did that come from? And what I wrote down when I was watching it was, like, it reminded me of a conversation I had some ages, like literally maybe even years ago with my sister, that <clears throat> for some people, for a lot of people, for I feel like even certain cultures of people, because I think we were talking about this in a cultural context, about how we observe other people's. Um, just for some people, I think for a lot of people who have experienced like generational trauma as well, um, or like many years of like a people being traumatized or being um, threatened, um, yeah, that I've noticed a lot, and not just specifically to those cultures or peoples, but just in general, we kind of come to a conclusion that for some people, for some individuals as well, being of utility, being able to serve other people, being able to And when I say serve, I mean, like, help. I mean, like, be in service to a greater, a group or a greater purpose really gives them the ability to, like, be alert, to be functional and to be focused. And that he literally, like, was like that. He was like a backbone. He was like a wall and he was, like, flipping determined and it was just like heartbreaking and beautiful and I just I, I don't know it's like I feel like he was a real person I, I mean he was um based on a real person's story but I feel like at that point in his scenes I wasn't even watching a film I felt like I was watching a documentary or something and I was like I want this man to survive I want him to not even I obviously wanted him to survive I want all the characters to survive of course but I wanted him to more than anything as well, like, see that, where A, he is not responsible for the loss that he suffered and for the loss of his country. I think that's the part of him that's a soldier that's interpreting it, maybe that way, but that's just my opinion, maybe, or my, my way of seeing it. But I wanted him to feel like, secondly, he he's redeemed. Like, he, he doesn't even need the redemption. Like, he is just resilient. He is tough as rocks to like then in his state of breakdown to like pick himself up and others with him I was like this is no longer a film I am I am immersed and I'm invested and yeah so I can't say any more about the film in terms of events and things like that but that was a really really strong part of the film for me and really strong part of like what I liked about the film um and just kind of to wrap it up on a positive like no I'm not gonna wrap it up on a negative I'm just gonna throw in my little one critique I have and then wrap it up on a positive because I've been talking for a long time um is I didn't really feel like the editing was uh, that strong I feel like the editing was sometimes a bit like oh the transitions between certain scenes sometimes felt a bit like harsh or just not that subtle and I feel like the intensity slash choice of music sometimes was like really confusing. Not confusing, but just um, distracting, unfortunately. But otherwise, I feel like it's a really freaking good film in terms of like 
yeah it just gave me a lot of emotions and things to think about and I just liked the way it was filmed and I really liked the way that people spoke like the dialogue that was used like I just maybe it's just it's not even intrinsic to his filmmaking but I really just appreciate like the way that people spoke to each other I just like that I don't know it was really cool I like the dialogue like in the first part of the film it was really sweet um but yes that kind of wraps up my character analysis segment and I'm gonna end on some final thoughts maybe some like low-key political ones some little like <laughs> jabs um for the west joking kidding <laughs> but just some like last thoughts and then yeah i want to say goodbye so thanks for listening to this part segment okay so final thoughts and commentaries who knows if this will be the format of all the podcasts i'm just getting started with this thing so i'm learning as i go if you like it tell me if you don't be honest i also want to hear feedback there's probably some things and critiques and things i don't know about just the historical context of this film that people are gonna be like bitch if you had just read beforehand you wouldn't sound so stupid <laughs> and i'm really so far from anybody but i do know i have to educate myself more on these things and that's literally part of the reason why i'm doing this because i love to learn more and i love to research and learn and i want to be more part of the, the bigger world bro like in terms of yeah yeah just feeling the feels of the world so yeah bro i'm open to being lovingly educated and dragged (laughs) okay anyways getting into my point um one of my first things that i want to talk about is that like i kind of thought about films like american sniper that's produced in hollywood and i thought the budgets the grandiosia I don't know if I said that right, but the, the grandiose production, you know? And there's not to take away from those films. I have not watched that film. I don't really have interest in watching it um, because I don't really like war films. Um, in terms of, like, films that are about battle, and I don't know, I just... Just not films, like, where people, are, like, running from... I don't know. It's, like, action-y. I don't know if it's action-y. Maybe I'm just trying shit. I don't know. But I just like action-y type films, and if it's action-y, I don't really want to watch it. But to know what I'm talking about maybe I should um about what it's about but anyways when I come when it comes to like how big the like production is and budgets I feel like I'm quite like I think I'm pretty valid to say they're quite hefty ones compare it like comparatively um to this film dreams and that's a different production it's different kind of like I guess aims and it's independent cinema I understand that um but I do think to myself, what would Muhammad Al-Diraji do with the budget of, I don't know if it was Ridley Scott who did that film, but like those motherfuckers, okay, those people who like work in Hollywood, like what would the creative minds of young Iraqi filmmakers, I'm not going to list them, but people who I'm currently researching and getting interested in their work, what would they do with the funding and the ability and opportunity to like reach a wider audience on a wider scale production wise like what would their creative process look like what were their stories would they suddenly expand would their ability to tell their stories enhance um because i feel like we lack so much information from 
the horse's mouth and that's that's his expression please nobody take offense <laughs> i'm kidding um is expression though okay um <laughs> men, i just feel like when we're listening to narratives produced in the west sure man like it's someone's perspective it's someone's truth but i'm really kind of oversaturated with those stories and i just don't feel like as somebody in the uk i get enough of the you know experiences of people in iraq and who have had first-hand experience second-hand experience like from generations of of having diaspora and generational trauma and and what they've experienced in their own you know lives and i feel like um there's so much lacking in like the information from proximity and intimacy to a situation that you know basically what i'm trying to say is like iraqi filmmakers you know should have as intent and attentive audiences and equal opportunities to reach those audiences and to have creative um freedom um and support because no one can tell their story like they can do you know what i mean no one can tell your, their own story like they can and i feel like it's one of the most like orientalist things that the west has in my as in my eyes as an audience member from britain the monopoly on storytelling um events in the middle east like why you know like uh, you know it just doesn't really feel fair but that's probably saying a lot more about the kind of films that i'm watching at the moment or have watched in the past and my access to film um that's not fucking hollywood so i want to that's part of the reason why i'm doing this podcast because i want to encourage myself and other people to seek out other people's narratives particularly people who have experienced things that i've only seen through the western lens do you know what I mean? One of those things um, that's kind of like related to this is that I realized whilst watching this film, this is the first time that I've seen two, uh, yeah, two Arab actors flat with each other or have a romantic chemistry. Let that sink in. I'm 22 years old. Not that's for business, but you know, just for the context, bruh. Excuse me? Like, that just says so much about the films that I've seen and the kind of films that I'm exposed to because of where I am and I guess my willingness to, to venture or my ability and, and, and access. But yeah, I just want more people like myself and you and anybody else to like access different people's stories. And I really want to see independent filmmakers blow up, like do their thing and like get bigger and bigger and bigger and just i want to hear from all people around the world everybody's stories so i think that's where i want to end this podcast um the actors of the film were the cast is asil adel i'm sorry sorry if i'm saying this wrong as ahlam mohammed hashim as medi Bashir Al-Majid as Ali, like I told you, shouts out, Talib Al-Farati as Ahlem's father, 
Eza Mamoudi as Ahlem's mother, Kahil Khalid as Hassan, Motada Saadi as Ahmed, and um, Amber. I'm actually going through everybody. Um, this is long, <laughs> but yeah, please look it up. Um, the film was Dreams, also known as Ahlem. Um, yeah, and the director is Muhammad Al-Duraji. This was the <laughs> this was the Dharm Girl podcast with Naima, and I hope you enjoyed. Oh yes, you can stream this film on a subscription that I'm not paying for. It's my brother's. Thank you for letting me use it on movie films. Otherwise, I'm really not sure where to find it, apart from maybe independent cinemas or other streaming services i'm going to get better at sourcing where you can find these things so i do want you to watch them um i read them and find them so films might be a little bit harder but we'll get there um for now just be intent and find it yourself <laughs> please do um that's dreams muhammad al-daraji um and lastly please follow the instagram blog at dom d-a-h-m dot girl on instagram and this podcast the dom girl podcast on spotify thank you bro take care love